I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Thank you for listening to this Last Blast podcast by The Intercooler. Now, before we get started, I just want to take a moment to thank Footman James for sponsoring Last Blast. As you know, at The Intercooler, we only partner with like-minded organisations, with companies that we think really understand what it means to be a car enthusiast. Footman James fit into that perfectly. I know this because when talking to them before making this recording, they said to me, please don't talk about car insurance, which I think says a lot. So instead, I'm just going to give you a couple of reasons why Footman James is different to other car insurance companies. Coffee and chrome, for one thing. That's Footman James' regular car meet. It's free to attend once you're registered. It's where hundreds, if not a thousand, car enthusiasts get together with their classics to enjoy and share their passion for cars. Footman James also publishes its indicator report. It's a thorough analysis and a detailed report into the state of classic car ownership in this country. The point is to promote and safeguard the future of classic cars in the UK. So there you go. Two good reasons why Footman James is different to other car insurance companies. So thank you, Footman James. Go and visit footmanjames.co.uk. You're listening to The Last Blast podcast by The Intercooler. You're about to listen to a 15-minute extract from Andrew Frankel's Last Blast interview with Adrian Hallmark. Now, that name might not be familiar to you, but take it from me, he's a fascinating guy. He is now the CEO and chairman of Bentley Motors, and he's held senior executive positions at various multinational car manufacturers. Um, In this extract, he talks about his love for Porsche, particularly Porsche's Le Mans cars, and he describes taking Bentley back to Le Mans um, in 2001. Uh, if you want to listen to the full episode, which is about an hour long, you're going to have to go to the Intercooler app or the Intercooler website, the-intercooler.com, um, and you will need to be a subscriber, but you can uh, start your one-month free trial, if you like, if you haven't done that already, um, and listen to the entire episode. So go and sign up if you haven't already. Um, but for now, this is a 15-minute extract. Enjoy it. 
Back in the Porsche days, had a lovely time, met some wonderful people, Derek Bell, Richard Atwood, all the, all the greats of the day. Now, Richard Atwood was born about five miles away from where I was born. Of course, he's a Wolverhampton boy, isn't he? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and the fact he was the first, in the first ever outright winner for Porsche at Le Mans with Hans Hermann, yeah. I was just in awe of him. Always had been since, again, since I loved Bugatti. And still cars. are. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. Big hug last night. I haven't seen him for about eight years. He, he hasn't changed a bit. Anyway, so lovely person and iconic in terms of what he did for Porsche. Yeah. And that 917, knowing Pierre and his mindset and what that car was, how it performed, its top speed, the, the risk they took in lightweighting, the materials they used for the tubular chassis. It was an engineering tour de force. Pierre's one of his masterpieces and Dickie drove it. Derek Bell obviously also drove them and if you listen to either of them talk about the speed of the car, the lack of structure and the fact that their feet were in front of the axle of the front wheels yes. and they're still driving at 236 miles an hour. And paper thin bodywork and that was it, then it was your feet. It well, they were back of the pedals and then it was your feet. It's just incredible what they did. Yeah. Technically it was ferocious. To jump in that as a human being and race and win at those speeds, I've just got total respect for those people. So that car for me is iconic. Okay, we do have another Porsche Le Mans car coming up, but before that, and while we're still on the subject of Le Mans, you were instrumental in taking Bentley back to Le Mans um, in 2001 with that program. So just say, t- tell us a little bit about that idea, how that came about, and and what that time was like at Bentley. It must have been amazing. It was super. We had. Um, Massive support from Piek personally, who was a great advocate for the brand, and we'd, we'd pitched the. Despite the fact that Audi were already racing there. Yeah, but we we basically defined the strategy, redefined it compared with what he had originally bought it to do with, and he went with us. So it was the price of the cars were fifty percent higher than was proposed. Instead of one body, we wanted three. Instead of one engine, we wanted two. But apart from that, it was what he originally wanted. I, not at all. But we also knew that Rolls-Royce, when it went to BMW, if they didn't do the biggest, most expensive and best today in the world, it wouldn't be seen as a genuine Rolls-Royce. Yes. And if I looked at Bentley's history, we were never orientated around stately sedans. Yes. So the best thing we could do to differentiate and to cut through was to do the two-door car first. The elevator pitch, a 200 miles an hour, four-wheel drive, aluminium-bodied, two plus two seater that could cross continents in ease comfort and also be um, the car that the hotel wants to put in front when you get there after they clean the bugs off <laughs> um, like uh, an everyday exotic brand with the reliability and credibility and daily credentials of an A8 or an S class in terms of durability that was the mission and what better way to re- reorientate people's thinking about Bentley to its sporting heritage then actually go back and create some more heritage. So Le Mans was the only place we could go. That was in the 11 years at the beginning of the company, from 1990 to uh, 1930, Le Mans was the bedrock of the brand image. So we figured, okay, let's use that to position the brand and GT, and it worked. And we finished third in the first year, thanks to the rain. But to finish first, you've got to first finish. Um, and in year three, it was just tremendous. Uh, first and second. And it was, 
one of the proudest moments of my career and for many of us at Bentley. It was wonderful. And it certainly helped in the launch and positioning of the brand. And I guess we should probably do the third car, seeing as we are still at Le Mans, um, which is another Porsche. Uh, the 1982 Le Mans winner, the 956. What is it about that car? What does it mean to you? Um, I love Derek Bell. Yeah. Um, and the car was a breakthrough. So it was the first monocoque uh, racer in that category. Um, I mean, 246 miles an hour, yes. top speed, yes. and it set the lap record at 100, over 146. I mean, it was like from another planet when it came. We thought 917 was good, yeah. um, but this was just another step. Um, and it was really the beginning of the, the consistent... Um, success of Porsche in, the, in that period and I think both Ix and Bell were again and Stucky later yeah. um, amongst the most iconic drivers for the brand as well so for me it was just having been in that company for 10 years and seen all the great cars from the Berlin Rome car right the way through to what was it the GT1s when I left yeah. uh, that was the last race car before I moved to Bentley um, I think that even more so than the 962 that for me was the the breakthrough car 962 was fantastic as well but it was a development but, but this was the genesis the next was an incremental change but it's interesting to me that your car choices seem to be very linked to people yes it's all for me it's all, as, at the beginning as I say it's all about the people that develop it Zynga yeah. uh, was that, the, the people that drive it and the technology itself and and what they then achieve because nothing is guaranteed when you put a pair of overalls on and jump in a race car. Yeah. The variables are ridiculous. And you know, to, to be able to get something go, to go as fast as, faster than anything possible yeah. and keep it at that limit for as long as possible and not break and the person not to wear, you know, become weary or wear down. It's just, um, I think competition is the, the essence of any brand in some way, shape or form. Um, and that's why I love these cars. It's the pinnacle of human achievement at that time, in my view. So there you were at Bentley, but in 2005 you left. Yes. And you went to, you went elsewhere. So having sort of got your dream job, um, you gave it up. Yeah, but you've got to remember, uh, and I look back now and I think maybe I was too hot-headed, but... Yeah. Um, so. I, we're, so we're now I'm 42 okay <laughs> uh, and not now then no, then, I was 42 yes. <laughs> now I'm 44 uh, even though we're just talking about 2005 um, so I was 42 years of age I was full of beans yeah and we'd done what we'd done and I, I loved Dr. Pefkin as well the CEO yeah our relationship was incredible so Le Mans had been won the GT had been incredibly successfully launched We've taken the company from 800 to 10,000 sales yeah. in seven years, yeah. or six and a bit years. And every bit of the strategy that we wrote, we delivered. Yeah. And it worked. Yeah. And the seg we, you know, we, we segment the marketplace. So if you look at cars sold between 100,000 and 150,000 pounds then, yeah. there were only 3,000 worldwide per year. It was a few Astons, a few Ferraris, a few Rolls Royces and a few Bentleys. We wanted to sell 10,000 in that 3,000 segment, and we did. <laughs> we created a segment, and when we sold 10, the segment was 14. 
So we had over two third share. <laughs> we, we made it. So you think, I, I wasn't arrogant, but I thought, great, I can't do this for another 20 years. Yeah. I need to do something else. Yeah. And the group were great. They wanted to develop me. So I went to be CEO in the, of Volkswagen in America, which was you know, a half a million car business, half a million car sales business, yes. compared with 10,000. Okay, we didn't build cars, but the plan was that we would. And I did the strategy for the factory uh, and the breakthrough products there. Um, of course, the 08, 09, yeah. 10 recession hit and put a little bit of a kibosh on um, some of the plans. But still, the factory was built and slowly but surely, um, the, the strategy has been realized, but in, in longer, a longer period. But it was, again, working in America... Um, I'll give you one example. There's one Toyota dealer group, and it's a group that's just based in L.A. And between their four sites, they sell 70,000 Toyotas a year. This is a dealer, which is more than BMW sold in the U.K., of all BMWs. One as dealer. The, as the importer. So they're, they're as big as BMW U.K., one dealer. We had a, a, a VW dealer that did 15,000 cars a year. So when you go to that market, you see the scale of demand... The, the professionalism, it's like a factory. The t- that Toyota workshop, yeah. after sales, it's like a car factory. It's incredible. So I really enjoyed it. And it wasn't somehow more impersonal just because of the scale and the number of people and the fact that you just couldn't get to know as many people in the same way that you did in a tiny little OEM back in the northwest. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a bit bigger, but you just have to travel more and you meet lots of people. And there's some wonderful... Wherever you go, whatever brand, there's fantastic business partners, real characters, again, like the car creators and the drivers, driven people yeah. who create something from nothing and very successful organisations. I mean, you know Roger Penske. Yes. And he's not the only one. I mean, there's lots of people like him uh, in the US uh, that are just inspirational as business people. And they do it. I think the, the US dealers are the best in the world. And you went to Asia as well? Yeah. So then I went to run Volkswagen Asia, which was 1.2 million car sales a year, that region, including China. Um, I was based in Wolfsburg and Asia. Did that for just two years, and it almost killed me, actually. I'd fly out, uh, I'd spend a week in Wolfsburg and three weeks in Asia, and then come back. And whilst in Asia, I'd do, each month, I'd do a lap. So by three months, I'd done every country, 57 markets. Um, and it was good. Built um, small factories, these sub-assembly factories, um, grew various markets. It was, it was really complicated. The biggest um, portfolio job I've got in terms of remit, but it was so far from being entrepreneurial. It was more uh, political and, and administrative. It wasn't even really strategic. Um, didn't enjoy it. It's the, the one job where I feel I learnt a huge amount. I, wouldn't, I don't regret doing it, but I wouldn't have wanted to stay doing that for, for long. No. Um, maybe staying in China, running one big region, yes, but, but doing what I was doing, it was crazy. Constant jet lag. And you then, I think, left the group? Yes. So I had um, a couple of options, and I thought, I'm going to roll the dice. Because I've got what I've got. You know, I've won it. I've got my CV. I've got my track record. I've got bags load of energy, um, and I had the opportunity to go to join Spiker in the takeover of Saab. Wow. 
with equity options. And uh, in my youth, back to these entrepreneurs and the racing, they had Saab and Volvo dealers. And I also loved Saab 900 turbos. Um, although I never owned one because they were too fast and expensive for me to insure. I loved the brand. I knew what they paid for it. I fundamentally believed it could work. Uh, so off I went to trial happen. And we restarted the factory, refinanced the company, got it working again, launched the 9.3, the new 9.5, and even the 9.4. Do you remember those, the SUV? It was based on a GM platform that was built in Mexico. Uh, we sabified it and built it in Trollhattan, and it was beautiful. We didn't sell many because of various factors that then ensued, but it was a really, really good car. V6, anyway, wonderful thing. Um, six, seven months in, you could feel things were going wrong. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't say I was naive, but there were certain things that happened that just knocked it in a certain direction that I won't talk about. And I got a call um, from Jaguar Land Rover to be the, uh, the managing director of Jaguar, um, which again would be back in an OEM with a global responsibility yeah. for a British brand. And when I was young, there were only two brands I really, really wanted to run. Um, Bentley wasn't one of them. I didn't even think about it then. One was Porsche Global, and the other was Jaguar. And Jaguar, because it had never performed the way it did when he had heat type. Yes. And it was just under, like I felt about Bentley when I finally did the study, totally under, undervalued um, an underdeveloped brand that has great potential. So there I went and um, spent seven years with Jaguar Land Rover before then heading back heading back here as the CEO. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.